Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. Couldn't be happier to have you here. It's your ideas, your attention, you know, your thought, your ears, everything that you bring to the table is what's moving the ball forward. And we've covered a lot of ground and there's still more ground to cover. So I pointed you in the direction of a few lab result data sets. They need to be standardized a bit more before we can use them. As we were mentioning last week, we're super interested in some of the terpene data. Still a bit of work ahead of us standardizing that. So today, coincidentally, a different data set landed in my lap. This giant data set from Massachusetts of historical THC and microbe tests. So just wanted to do a or due diligence and give it a look. And then we can resume with this hunt for terpenes and land races and all of that fun stuff next week. So we'd love to hear about any of your adventures during the week before I start going off about some of this cool new data. It's a meetup after all. So I'll start with Candace. Would love to hear about, you know, what are you interested in or out of the Massachusetts data, you know, what are your big interests? What would, questions would you like to see addressed? Any thoughts that come to your mind? Well, I'm excited that you have all this new data for Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I still, you know, search for the uh, pesticide information, but this is great. I'm just so excited that you were able to get this data, Keegan. So, as, thanks. As we, as we always say, some data is better than no data. So this is our first really big glance at the Massachusetts data. It puts some of our data in perspective because I, as we've mentioned in the past, we have a non-random sample of Massachusetts lab results, the public lab results we've collected from MCR labs. And there's some rich terpene data there, but we didn't know, you know, what proportion of lab tests did that comprise? And it actually turns out not maybe the largest proportion. There's tons and tons of lab tests. So we'll actually get a, a metric of that today. So love your interest. And there will be more lab results in the future, hopefully, to suit your appetite. But today we'll get a taste. And please remind me um, your name um, in case uh, it's not coming to mind, but um, copy left cultivars. We'd love to hear about what you would like to see put on the table. And, you know, what are you interested in? What, what do you think? the Cannabis Data Science Meetup group could move forward on. Great. Well, um, my name's Caleb, Caleb DeLue, and uh, which I'm happy to remind as many times, names are silly like that. Uh, I This is my first time here at this meetup. And again, thanks, Keegan, for inviting me. Uh, I founded, uh, co-founded, and I'm a data scientist at Copyleft Cultivars, a nonprofit where we're uh, working to protect and preserve vulnerable plants uh, using copyleft and cannabis is kind of our flagship one given the emerging market um, and 
So, uh, yeah, I just am also personally really uh, passionate about cannabis and medicinal plants in general, uh, really agriculture in general, special focus towards cannabis and um, genetics as well, super interested in that. And so it's really great to be here um, and join in. As to the data set, um, I'm fascinated by seeing the recent movement of uh, uncovering biases and this shifting benchmarking that's been happening with uh, labs resulting in inflated numbers or false negatives for um, biologics or, you know, I could list various other things that the industry is honing in on right now. Um, but I think it'll be really interesting to view it through that lens. And then also, um, I'm always thinking about how I can connect uh, insights that I see in the cannabis data to our work at Copyleft Cultivars, where we're making uh, galaxies that uh, are Copyleft protected, so can't be privatized or abused, and which uh, will hopefully allow people to compile trait and gene data and other data growing uh, data as well um, in this large public repository where we can do like GWAS and other types of analysis and um, share that throughout the whole community in an open source way. So really keeping my mind open to the insights in that way as well, but really just excited to get into the data. And I love rolling through this kind of data and, and pulling out interesting insights. So. Thanks for being here. I absolutely love it. You'll have to, if you want, share some more of your insights and knowledge with us, especially as we start moving back into the realm of terpenes and working around with, you know, how people are classifying various varieties with strain names or perhaps chemotypes. That's something we've worked with in the past and definitely something that has a ton more work to do. So we'd love to have your input there. And then as far as the talk on the town, the way we see it is eh, people go back and forth, but what can we bring to the table? Eh, we can just bring data and statistics. So that's really what we're gonna do today is we're just gonna supply you with just a ton of data and statistics. As always, make of it what you will take the data at face value, take the statistics at face value, but at least you'll have some data points in the conversation. But it's relevant, right? This is what people are talking about. So now you'll actually have some statistics in your pocket and I'll even point out some places where those come up in conversation and now you'll have a nice um, science back answer or comment. But anywho, cool things coming. But Mariana, or Marianne, or Marianne, um, welcome to, welcome back to the group. Always love having you here. You shed so much light on the actual, a new, the actual ongoings at the. Well, you were at the the CCC, and this is you know really big. This is the framework where all the data is being generated from. So couldn't be happier to have you here. We'd love to hear your input. Any thoughts, ideas, comments you would like to put on the table? 
Uh, sure. Uh, for those who don't know me, this is my first, my, not my first time here, but it's been a long time since I've attended one of these meetups. Um, I'm Marianne Sarkis. I'm the Director of Data and Analytics at the Cannabis Control Commission in the state of Massachusetts. So you are using one of our data sets. Um, this is kind of interesting to be in this position and just have everybody participating in scrutinizing this data set. And I'm actually really excited. Um, it's rare to have that kind of a situation um, and experience. So I'm just looking forward to the meeting. I love it. So you'll have to, you know, grit your teeth at some parts and, well, you know, we're not going to be too critical, but it's, it's awesome, right? This is kind of like seeing your, you know, your your, your child uh, start uh, walking on its own. So it's really cool that the and the, the CCC, you know, released the this data. And as always, like you said, just the more eyes on it, the better, because there's so many ways to slice and dice the data. And there's only so much time in the day. So, you know me, I just start with the very, very basic summary statistics and then just start adding condition upon condition and just see how far we can take it. And it's just a tiny bit of data today, but we can yeah, go pretty far with that. So I just wanted to show that, share that with you today because it is real metric data and you know, metric likes to store their data in certain formats. And I like to rearrange the data for analysis. And I'll just kind of share with you some of my techniques and some of the figures you can create. So this is a starting point. And then, and then as always, I encourage you all to first, if you're interested, repeat my statistics, double check my work, and then two, take it further, you know, go above and beyond you know, add some conditions of your own, you know, see, see where you can take it. So excellent, 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 excellent. And then Stephanie, welcome to the group. Happy to have you here. If you have any thoughts, ideas, comments, questions, or anything at all that you'd like to put on the table to make sure that we're, you know, addressing what you think is important here in the, the cannabis space, we'd love to hear your input. Hi, I'm Stephanie Thomas. I am the data manager with the Cannabis Control Commission in the state of Massachusetts. Oh, uh, working for <laughs> and this was not intentional, just so you know, this was not intentional that we would have both of us here just for this data set. Um, <laughs> it, this is complete synchronicity, so. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, my schedule has cleared up because when I originally signed up for this group, I had a conflict. Um, and so the other meeting has ended. So, um, so it's I'm I'm very excited to be here and see what happens. And it's you know awesome because you're working with our data. <laughs> it's such a coincidence. Well, as the, well, we may as well start sooner rather than later. And basically, I'll just show you how you know we're going to look at the data. So this is basically okay. What are the data points that you know we think are pertinent how do we look at the data um so this couldn't be a better group so let's go ahead and commence so basically 
there's not a lot of rambling today just all data i try to just focus more on the visualizations because i think that's what everybody can relate with and draw insights with and i'll get the code posted to github afterwards if you're interested but but this was data from a pu public records request that was shared with me and if you just want to see the the raw data here it's just a big x um csv and we don't have many data points so i'll have to refer you to the metric documentation but in metric they basically split the lab tests up into the lab result which is what you would think of is like uh your, and once again i could be butchering this but from my understanding it's like the lab result is what you think of as like the certificate of analysis that has you know the, the date tested and some of the meta details and then these are then the test um the lab tests and you can think of this as every analyte that's being tested for. So this is Delta 9, THC, and you'll see down here, there's THCA. And just the way metric classifies this, this is just for raw plant material. So this is just flower. And then there's also microbes down here. So total yeast and mold, I just call them microbes. There are other microbes, but it's a short word. Okay, so we've got three different analytes that are being tested for. We've got the test result. There's an ID for the lab that tested it. One of the most important data points as we've pointed out is just when it was tested so we've got we have the time range starting at april of 2021 and we just have data going through the end of 2021 so as always would be awesome to get a a wider range of data but as I've kind of whoops, stressed in the past, any data is better than no data, right? You can't just be hypercritical, right? You can't just say, oh, I would, I just want data to 2023 or, or, or bust, you know, it's like, okay, we'll take it, you know, it's got data till the end of 21. So, so it's better than nothing. And once again, we'd love more and more analytes, but of course, as we've noted time and time again, consumers are rather fixated on THC numbers and THC is what's regulated by the federal government. So out of all the data points, if we were gonna only have one, and eh, it's a pretty good one to have. Also, welcome to the group, Dave just looking at massachusetts 
cannabis test results. I'm just going to start calculating a bunch of statistics here. So just feel free to chime in at any time if you have any thoughts. But okay, so the first things first, right? We noticed, okay, just have to standardize the date, nothing fancy there. Okay. Okay, so first things first, and I don't know why I went in this order, so I may actually go in a different order um, than the way I coded it up. But basically, first things first, the way I like to conceptualize this is more in like the, the COA format, right? Where you just have a, a package label. One second, we may have another person joining us. Quentin. So the way I like to think about this is a package, you know, a package gets sent in for testing and then, you know, it gets tested for THC, THCA, microbes, so on and so forth. And that happens on a specific date. So basically I wanted to just group everything by package. Um, and then basically ran into this one issue here. So um, I'm thinking, actually, actually, let's let's go asynchronously here. Let's actually just just start by looking at THC since that that's what we've been looking at. Um, and then I'll kind of circle back for for this one little uh, note here. So. So long story short, I'm just getting the the very first result here. So this is going to come up um, later, but basically the there is the consideration that oh uh, a package may get tested multiple times, and in fact I was, and it's awesome that we have some. Um, some people at the CCC here because I was digging through the sampling protocol and there were some mentions in there about retesting. Um, so so I'll kind of get to that that here in a bit. But but just wanted to start off by saying that oh we'll have to take into consideration like duplicate, so to speak. But but uh, I'm getting too bogged down with that. Let's let's look at a a, a graph here. Um, ba, 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 ba. Um, we need a histogram. Okay. So like a question has come up, um, and for some reason this isn't styled quite the way I was wanting to. Okay, I'll try to just power through this. Um, Okay, there it is. There it's a, it's a little bigger. So long story short, a question came up at a really cool conversation yesterday. So I think it's the Future Cannabis Project had a conversation the other day with Yasha Khan from MCR Labs and some of the other people who have attended the Cannabis Data Science Meetup group in the past, Jamie Toth and Jeff. Rawson. And so that was an awesome conversation. I'll have to point you in the direction of that. But 
a question came up that was basically what would be an unreasonable amount of THC on a product label? And it's, it was kind of a fun question because it basically put everybody on the spot to basically give what we sometimes call the, if we were trying to sound sophisticated, the Bayesian prior, which is just the, what's, statistical nerds that's a fancy way of just saying that's just what you personally believe a statistic would be so they're basically just asking you know what do you think would be the you know the tippity top like the 99th percentile of thc well now that we actually have that data from massachusetts we can actually calculate that. And once again, it matters, you know, what you're actually looking at here. And once again, consumers are often interested in just, you know, one number, so say total THC. And so remember, total THC is a factor of THCA, right? It's delta nine THC plus 0 0.877 times THCA. So long story short, then in 2021, the, the second two or the third two quarters of 2021, the average THC was around 17.5%. Let's exclude real quick anything that was zero, just in case the the zeros are are outliers. So if you exclude everything that was zero, then you're looking at about eighteen and a half percent average total THC. And then if you were wanting to know what would be like sort of a reasonable upper bound to that. Well, from testing, you would see that, okay, the reasonable upper bound is around 20, 28.5%. Um, and then let's actually just real quick, let's just check out what the maps is. Um, so it, it looks like this must have just been some miscoded outlier um so i'm wondering what the max is maybe less than 40. so you're seeing some that are re really really high like so this one's at 38 percent but that's just a, a quite quite an outlier um so so long story short the yash and everybody had pretty good answers um i think Jeff mentioned that he had tested a, a legitimate sample, testing at around 31%. So you may see some some outliers way up there. But um, but somebody, Dr. Anna said that, oh, really anything above 25% or so is starting to get a little high. But there was maybe a thought comment question from, from somebody. I, I just hear a notification that somebody 
may have oh, had a so, Sorry, that was uh, me, Keegan. I put in the link to the Future Cannabis Project, Not High Enough, Reality Versus Expectations, YouTube link in the chat. Phenomenal. I meant to help you, not interrupt you. Sorry oh, about that. Oh, it, it's super good, super good. And once again, I'm not even uh, trying to get too like fixated on THC numbers, so I'm going to go ahead and start moving on here in a bit. But just, I just have my ear open for statistics that people are curious about. And that was a statistic, you know, what, what percentage THC is unreasonable. And once again, if you're looking at THCA, right, you could measure, right, 31% THCA, but once again, it depends. Oh, if, are they talking about total THC? Are they talking about THCA, Delta 9 THC, so on and so forth? Because as you notice, the Delta 9 is actually really, really small in a flower. Small concentrations. Okay, moving on. Um, just slightly though. So here's a interesting figure where once again wouldn't be our due diligence we wouldn't be doing our due diligences if we didn't calculate these statistics because this is just what everybody's talking about they're saying like oh you know there's there's been thc inflation so the the classic thing to look for there is just a you know a trend in thc over time and once again, we'd love to get this like to the current day, but in 2021, we actually see the average on, right, the just on whole drop from, you know, above 18% to around, you know, the 17, 17.5%. But once again, there could be no statistically different change to this. And once again, with time series, you really, really want to see them play out a bit because this may not be a long enough time range. This could just all be, you know, there could be some sort of seasonality component in this. It's not impossible. Um, but um, so there's that. And then once again, um, I'm almost getting almost bored at uh, uh, pointing out variances by by lab, but it's something that comes up, and it it, it is data that we have. But it once again is pertinent just to see. Okay, you know, are there any variances in THC by lab? And once again, as we've noticed in the past there is sort of a wide variance in how labs are measuring what you would like to see and you kind of see it to a certain extent here is you would like to see like like maybe a wide variance in how people are measuring but over time you would like to see them kind of hone in on what would be like you know the true 
at like the true mean, so to speak. Um, and so you kind of see that here to a certain degree, but right, you see some labs testing on average, you know, pretty high, right, north of 20% uh, for these two labs. And then these ones are testing low, right? This one, um, I think that's lab D. And see, lab D may have exited, right? They may have been, you know, measuring too low. Um, they're measuring below 16%. Um, and once again, I'm having a little trouble following which lines which. So my, my apologies to that. So long story short, the labs may be kind of coming to a consensus around 18% or so. But I would just like to point out this kind of interesting dynamic, which is, you know, right here at the at the in October, you see lab H enter the market. And you know, they they're testing at pretty high percentages. Um, and curiously, lab G looks like maybe maybe their December numbers not representative for some reason. Um, so I hard to say what happened with lab G. And then um, I'm curious about sort of the future trajectory here because um, for whatever reason, you know, lab H and lab X are now testing a little, a little higher than average. So not, not too much more to say uh, on that other than we'd like to see where, where that one goes over time, but I don't know. Do, do any of you have any thoughts? Basically, my thought is there is basically repeated observations that there's just not like the greatest variation in the world, but there is variation between labs. So my comment is just if you're doing, you know, statistics, like as a cultivator or a retailer or something like that, I would just highly recommend to like include the laboratory as like a variable, like almost like control for the lab. Um, you know, if you're like a retailer, or I mean, not a retailer, if you're a cultivator and you're doing scientific studies, you know, you're doing R&D, just, you know, one of your variables should maybe just be be lab because you know there could be kind of something structurally different between how lab X is testing and you know lab D. So it's honestly I should practice what I preach because I need to I just realized that I haven't been maybe controlling for for lab in some of my studies. But but anywho um, I kind of want to move on to some other interesting aspects to the data, unless, am I talking too much about THC or what are people's thoughts so far? Um, okay, on that note, I'm going to just do this real quick because it was just, I found this a little bit interesting. Basically, I was just curious about like the the retests by lab 
and so I was just because it and once again just tell me if I should skip this if it's getting uh, too tedious but basically as I was calculating all these statistics I realized that there were essentially duplicates here in the the data so I wanted to kind of figure out how to handle those so you see this sample this package came in and was tested multiple times here it looks like it was tested twice so basically was just you know going to to, to look into that and see what what's happening there but basically what I've done is just um hold on what did I do here I think this is yes so for each package so here's this package I basically just said okay when was the first time it was tested when was the last time it was tested what was the delta nine when it was first tested and then what was the delta nine when it was last tested? And then same for the THCA. And then went ahead and grabbed the lab too. I did try to find out if the lab was changing between the tests and it didn't appear to be. So it appears to be whichever lab tested it first is the same lab that tested it the second time. And just from pawing through the sampling protocol book it seems to mention something about oh when you're doing a retest i want to say that you're supposed to use the initial testing lab so this is pointing me to the direction of these are retests for one reason or the other and then basically the natural thing to do is calculate the the difference between these so I just you know calculated the the difference you know between THC and THCA at these two points in time and then um let's see if we can't uh um print some of these things out for you okay so once again I don't know what if I should be fixated on this or not. So this this is what uh, one of the meetup members taught me that was just super valuable was you've got to actually look at the data and just calculate some of these summary statistics. There may be absolutely nothing to this, but we can't be like making mistakes as we're calculating statistics. So we have to at least acknowledge that there's some sort of duplicates in here the retests and kind of try to get to the bottom of them i'm starting to think there's not much to them i think they're just sort of routine retests for various reasons maybe they failed microbes and they got retested for microbes or maybe this is some sort of um routine testing so i'd kind of encourage you to to investigate this further but um 
but long story short actually before i do it i was just curious oh you know what does the the difference look like right and it's actually mostly negative so for what and this is right this was why you want to calculate statistics right because as i'm calculating this i'm thinking oh i'm, I'm on to something right because i'm thinking that right whether you i like to admit it or not but my, my null hypothesis was actually that the difference was going to be positive that oh that these labs they're retesting samples and they they're testing them at higher thc values but it doesn't actually the data doesn't actually support that it's you know on average the tests are about a half percent lower when they're retested you see some that are are testing at higher values for various reasons um and then i just i just wanted to specifically look at lab b because the other labs just don't really have enough retest to really draw my attention you know if a lab just has one retest i don't know but i should have looked at lab e2 and in fact we can do that too but basically you know lab b and lab e are the only two that are really doing a lot of like retests or duplicates so it would just be you know pertinent to just look at those two so and this is the first time I've looked at lab E, but may as well uh, plot that one real quick. And sorry that it's all in yellow. So lab E is a bit more all over the board um, with these retests. So that so that's actually kind of curious in and of its own self is like, why are the re retests different between these two? But um, for, whatever, for whatever reason, lab b is is testing them at at slightly lower value wait yes they're they're testing them at slightly uh, hold on yeah so yeah so lab b is testing the same packages at slightly lower thc percentages later in time and remember we talked in the past about stability um and so this once again could be a natural study in the stability of cannabis this this came up in the conversation the other day too is how do you distinguish between degradation and say mislabeled cannabis products and it's basically it's difficult because you've got variance on variance, but if you were going to attempt it, you have to at least have some metric of natural degradation in cannabis products. Especially it would be cool to have it experimental on the shelf because it's one thing, you know, just to do a controlled experiment in your laboratory. It's a whole nother for these 
products to be jostled about and uh, bandied about the state. Um, you know, they could experience all sorts of degradation. So I don't want to, to read too, too much into this until I read more into this, the, the sampling protocol. Um, yeah, I'll just uh, open that just uh, just to show you just what it looks like. Um, so so long. See, it's a it's a hefty document here, um, but uh, I want to say. Um, anyways, uh, I won't uh, look into it uh, right now to bore you to death, but um, it. We're going to have to look into it further, or maybe get ChatGPT to uh, to summarize it for us to figure out what's going on here with the retests. Is this just noise to the data? Is there anything meaningful here? Or at very at very very best, it could be a natural study in degradation. That's what I'm personally hoping for. I would just hope 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 that there. It is just some sort of uh, protocol where they're doing stability testing um, or they, once again, they may be retesting because of a microbe issue or this or that. But does anybody from the CCC want to chime in if, uh, if I'm butchering, butchering this analysis too bad? And then I'll kind of change gears one final time. You're you're definitely not butchering things. Um, this is this has just been fascinating presentation so far. Um, the the question I have actually a question earlier that yes. might have some implications on this chart. So when you were looking at the retests, what was the the population for that? It wasn't that high, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, basically, um, it was non-negligible. So there, mm -hmm. I want to say there's, yeah, so out of, um, um, but so there's 2,700 tests, um, but let's say they're, they're just a, two packages each so there are about you know just a quick back of the envelope estimate there are about you know 1300 packages that were retested um and uh i want to say uh bye -bye. um not that one um I want to say there were around 31,000 packages of 31,163. So, so it's maybe around 4%, maybe between 4 and 5% of the samples or of the packages um, are getting tested multiple times. Um, so on a related note, how would you account for that for the earlier charts, right? So if we're looking at, you know, the THC changes over time, um, wouldn't we need to exclude some of those? That was actually a question that I put in in the chat. Like, how do you how do you handle that? Good question. We're, 
So, there, so there's 31,000 here that we can double check this. So let's just double check that uh, this label's unique. Okay, so actually, unfortunately, it looks like there are some duplicates in there. So I thought I was, so I wonder if, okay, so this is why I need, I need, I need you guys to double check my work. Okay, so I may have made some a mistake here because I was thinking that I was just getting the first observed test. So I was thinking that for each package here, that I was just going to get the very first time it was tested. So, um, let's see real quick um if anything would change here if we get the last one okay okay so as you <laughs> as as is good your question has kind of shown light onto the imperfections of my analysis so as always it appears i've made some sort of mistake and you know take take my statistics at face value but what i was trying to do was just take the first time a lab result was was tested um I guess what we could do here is just drop the duplicates just to just to exclude them. Um, whoops. Okay. Okay. So let's just try that real quick. Right. We're live. So I think we can just. Right. And see, I don't even have to do it. Right. Uh, Chat GPT will uh, more or less handle this for us. Um, but, and so that's the interesting thing about coding these days. So let's see what we have now. So now we, we have removed the, the duplicates. So why they're duplicates after this aggregation, I am not certain. Um, I can probably shed some light on that. Um, some of the tests might have some subtests under them, and we're only seeing the top tests rather than the subtests. So that could be one of the reasons for the duplication. So the package number stayed, but the um, the types of tests might have changed. If that makes sense. Yes, and this is one of the. This is where you're talking about, like, what's the difference between a, a negligible and a non-negligible? Exactly. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. this is one, and this is a borderline one, right? Because it's right. The the retests were about like we said around four or five percent, and now we've got these five hundred or so oddballs, and for today. I'm going to drop them, but what I'd actually encourage you all to do is 
actually specifically look at these, try to find out why the oddballs are odd. Um, once again, there could be absolutely nothing to it. It could just be some sort of weird coding, uh, or not coding, but just sort of some weird entry detail, but leave no stone unturned. Um, so today, unfortunately, I'm going to just uh, toss this stone out, but uh, but just keep, just keep in mind that that does go against my philosophy of never throw away any data. So I'm kind of, I'm unfortunately going to throw that data away today, but um, let's just redo these statistics. Um, so after we exclude those odd balls, I wonder if no, they're not the zeros, but you know, luckily this is with the power to the law of large numbers is our sample doesn't necessarily um have to be perfect perfect uh right there could be some flaws in there but the as long as you know or the number of observations we get goes up we're you know we're going to start approximating the mean um sooner rather than later so long story short is we're still looking at around 28 and a half percent maximum total thc and 31.8% maximum THCA. Okay, so I love that because, you know, I'm up here and I'm not trying to, to preach to you or anything. I'm just showing you how I went about doing my first look at the data. And I'm fallible as has just been pointed out. And that's why the scientific process, one of the most important pieces is the repeat, right? It's repeat, 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 rep re reproduce, 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 which is basically, it's not really enough just for one person to, to do the analysis. Really just the more and more people that do it, the law of large numbers kicks in. So basically that's what I like to think about is as we're doing the scientific process, just like there's, you know, just uh, a distribution of THC, there's sort of going to be a distribution of our own statistics. And, you know, that the average of everybody's studies may approximate the true value. But, but just for fun here, um, once again, I'm not trying to go too far and down the yeast and mold rabbit hole. But it was, it's the talk on the town. So I just thought it would be pertinent to, to look at, right? We've got the data. It, it would not be, it would not be wise to not even look at it. Um, so, right, it costs barely anything just for us to look at it. So why not? Um, so long story short, this is, it wasn't supposed to be, but this is in scientific notation here. Basically, the failure rate for yeast and mold is 10,000 colony forming units per gram. That's the same as in Washington state. And so 
in Massachusetts, basically, I was once again looking at the sampling protocol. They basically say that if you fail for microbes once, you can you can get it remediated. And then I think if you fail a second time, then I think it has to be destroyed. Um, and you don't have to remediate it. You can uh, destroy it um, after the first time. And there may have been a third option, um, but don't quote me on that. Um, in fact, you know, check out the resources above. But, um, but, but here's actually a better visualization of that. Um, so, because we've, we've mentioned this in the past, where, of course, you want to maintain a clean environment, but as a cultivator, you have to measure your costs. And if you don't, you're, you, you, know, you could run into the red. And the, just the way I like to do this is if you're a cultivator, just kind of budget in the fact that you may fail a test now and again, right? You may be keeping a, running a clean ship. But if you just look at the market on average, people are failing around 6% of the time. So you just, just budget that in. Just say, okay, what would what would be our loss if we did have to destroy a whole batch then multiply that by six percent and that's basically you know your cost of microbe risk and you once again want to minimize your risk right keep a keep a clean environment and all that jazz um, so ideally we've mentioned this in the past you would like your failure rate to be lower than average. And if you notice that you're failing above average, then it would be worthwhile looking into that because, you know, you could have higher costs than your, your neighbor. Um, so I don't want to, to drum on that too, too much. But uh, once again, there's your good statistics to have in your back pocket. Um, and we'll have to actually double check what we calculated, what um, the average was in Washington. But I want to say that the average was, was lower in Washington. Um, but it may not have been. And if it was lower, was it statistically different? So that's actually a cool study that, that you could all do. And we actually have this data now. You could actually compare yeast and mold detections in Massachusetts to Washington. Um, who knows? Um, and then the, the final thing here, which has been, been noted before, and once again, don't want to harsh too much on the labs, but it would just be uh, pertinent for us to show this one because this is a statistic that does kind of jump out at you. Um, we've mentioned in the past that you don't want to just draw too, too much from small differences in things. Like, like so for, for example, when we looked at the, the differences in lab testing of THC, 
yes, there was some variance, but you know, like we said, the line, a lot of the lines were around 18%. You know, if there's one that's way different, then take note, right? This is a difference that should jump out at you, right? Obviously, there's some difference going on there. And then this is another one that they, they kind of should jump out at you is it's just there. There's just some what appears to me like just some structural difference between, you know, like how the the labs are measuring microbes. Um, and I put the the total number of tests that each lab is doing above each bar because I think that's important because so for example lab H they are an outlier but they've only uh, tested you know well not only I mean they have tested 200 samples 197 but you know lab B's tested 14,000 samples in the same time period Lab G looks comparable, but they only tested 70. And then lab A and E each tested a, a big bulk here themselves. So once again, this is a, a, actually, I, I actually have to point it out because I wouldn't be responsible if I didn't. This is kind of how you can, I don't want to say lie, but mislead with visualizations because this is technically kind of a misleading visualization because it does make you think like, oh, wow, there's this like six-fold difference in failure rate by lab. But technically, lab H and lab X and even lab Z, they're all kind of outliers in the sense that they're not testing very many samples. Like there, like there really actually could be something structurally different about those labs. They, they could be startup labs and they may have a specific clientele. Maybe for whatever reason, lab H is the remediation lab, right? Maybe like for whatever reason, they just get tons of failures. So, so, the, so, one, so long story short is, if you excluded the outliers and you're just looking at lab A to lab B, then, eh, you know, it may not be the greatest variance in the world, right? You've got lab A that like two or 3% and then lab B maybe around eight or 9% failure rate. So it may not be like as drastic as this this chart kind of makes it seem but but i think we mentioned this in the past where for whatever reason the microbe method just doesn't appear to be standardized and just quick anecdotal evidence you know from working in a lab it's not, it wasn't a super set in stone method because basically the, the standard protocol just the i think the cheap once again the cost is different but the the standard cheapest is to test uh, these microbes 
from plating, which is sort of like the old school method. Um, and it's, you know, maybe not the most accurate, but that's just the, and they're microbes, right? So that is, the, it's literally dirty. So it's quick, just a quick and dirty way of testing. And then you can do other ways. There's the, the PCR, which is a scientific instrument, and it has its own protocol, its own sample preparation. Um, and then you can maybe think of that as maybe the medium degree accuracy. And then I think if you wanted like the highest degree of accuracy, um, don't quote me on this because I'm not a chemist, you may or may, may not be able to test for these on a mass spec. But I think that's like, that's like way overkill, I think. That's like, um, if, and you may not be able to. I think you can test for mycotoxins on the mass spec. I do not know for certain if you can test for yeast and mold on the mass spec. But if you could, it'd be a really, really expensive test to do something that you could normally test for cheaply with plating. Um, so long story short is it could just be just something as simple as lab B is using like a plating method, which is maybe not the most accurate in the world. Um, and that's the rate they're getting. And then it could be that, you know, maybe lab A and lab E, maybe they're using uh, PCR testing and maybe it's more expensive, but they're able to exclude false positives and right if they're excluding false positives they'll have a lower failure rate and they're they could potentially have hot happier clients um so that so that's that's kind of where i want to leave this is i think well hopefully between the the regulators and policy plus economic incentives I would hope to kind of see this over time, as we mentioned with the THC, I would like to see them kind of come to a consensus. So, you know, what, what's it going to be? You know, are we gonna test by, by plating or are we gonna test by PCR? And just kind of come to a consensus of, oh, wh what instrument? Um, and I would, and they don't have to, uh, talk to each other because that could be uh, seen as like uh, collusion or uh, anti-competitive. Uh, really, you don't necessarily want them talking to each other. But what I'm just saying is market forces will kind of push them in that direction where maybe it is cost effective to invest in a, a, a PCR machine, or maybe it is cost effective to use plating, or who knows, maybe somebody will discover an, a, a new instrument to test yeast and mold. Um, so that those are my main thoughts here is, I wouldn't be too, too alarmed about the data unless you're working at the CCC and then you know, you're, you're the regulator here. But just from a, a consumer point of view, it's like, yes, you know, we've highlighted some some variances in THC in, and microbes. But I would just like to point out, oh, whoops, 
um, that this was in 2021, and would love to see this played through to 2023, because my hypothesis is that slowly but surely, I think the industry was slowly, but as I said, surely coming to a consensus of what they think standard lab testing should look like. So we may not be in the long term yet, but you know, hopefully this rocky journey uh, will, will start settling down. But any thoughts, comments, questions? I know this was sort of a, a different session than normal. Not as much back and forth today, mostly just me droning on about these charts. So we'll be back, hopefully, to a nice back and forth discussion next week and back to the terpenes and strains and all of um, some of that fun consumer related stuff. But just had to spend a little time and hammer out some of these dry statistics about lab tests just to set the stage, just so we have some statistics in, in our in our tool belt. But any thoughts, comments, questions after being bombarded by all those charts? Um, one of the things to keep in mind is that some of the labs did not come online until later. So you're seeing kind of a, a snapshot of some of the older labs and some of the more recent labs. So that I think you might need to get the dates for when the labs opened and maybe group them in particular ways um, to make the comparison a little bit uh, you know, more even. Because right now, as you showed in that last, um, the last slides, the difference among the labs is pretty stark visually, right? But if you group them into two groups and then, you know, the ones who came online later versus the earlier ones, there might be some other differences to observe as well. You definitely gave a good bit of foreshadowing there because that's kind of what I think we'll we'll see when we hopefully eventually look at the data is I've got a feeling 2022 was a pretty turbulent year especially since you mentioned that there could be some new labs coming on board and I mean just anecdotally that's what we've heard from a lot of people in the the cannabis space is you know it's been tough times and there's been a lot of change so I've got a feeling tons and tons of variation and dynamics in the market in 2022 and potentially once again are things coming to a consensus yet in 2023 i don't know i've got a feeling they're heading in that direction but as i mentioned i don't think they're there yet so i'm i'm that, that's my just hypothesis is i bet there's going to be tons of variability and change in 2022 and maybe the variation slows down this year and into next um, only time will tell and uh, only the uh, the data will tell but but that's my best guess best hypothesis but 
we will be releasing more data in the next few months. I know I said that last year, but we're actually getting very close to reviewing more and more of the data and we'll be able to release it and it will be available to everybody on our data catalog. Ooh, yes, and as pointed out, this is super valuable because uh, as I said, we went all way down this rabbit hole and looking at all this lab by lab variance, but that wasn't even the important thing today. The important thing today we were is that we were able to actually answer a real question that a lot of cannabis consumers have, right? That was just the top question that came up yesterday at the conversation is, at what point do, do your like spidey senses start tingling? Like at what point do you get a red flag? Like when you see a THC number on a label? And as we mentioned, it varies state by state, but we've at least answered that question for Massachusetts. And it's basically like, yes, like, the very very tippity top percentage you know you may see for the cannabis flower is you know like 31.8 percent or so thca so it is possible for like the tippity top shelf products to have north of 30 percent thca but uh, but just keep in mind that not every product will right that's only the 99 percentile so it's like, you know, if you get something that's, you know, north of 25%, then that's, that's as far as total THC goes, that's well above average. So, you know, uh, so I think as far as consumers go, I mean, surely it can, um, it can only help to just have a better understanding of, you know, what's, what is the distribution here? You know, what is average? What's above average? what's the, the maximum that I should expect. So there's simple summary statistics, but people out there have, a lot of them have no idea, right? At the conversation the other day, it was these were the best and brilliant minds and they actually had super close answers. As I mentioned, Jeff hit the 31% nail on the head and then um, uh, Dr. Anna too also was, was spot on in her answer in that she said that once it gets above 25 percent total thc she gets a little uh, skeptical so so simple simple statistics but they go a long way on that note i'll i didn't have too much time to review your comments but i'll review them for next week and feel free to share any ideas that you have during the week, and I'll make sure to touch on them next week. Just want to give you all a huge thank you, a huge, huge thank you, especially Miriam and Stephanie, and also Quinton too. I didn't get a chance to thank you for joining the meetup. And of course, Caleb and Candace. Couldn't do this without you, your eyes, your ears, your attention, your brilliant ideas. And today was, the cherry on the top was actually having insights from the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission. Because as we've said, you're actually in the trenches, making sure the data infrastructure is up to snuff. We really, 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 really appreciate your effort. We really appreciate any glance at the data. As always, you know, we can kind of be a little tough and it, it's just tough love, right? It's just, 
any good writer needs an editor that's willing to give them a ton of red ink. The red ink doesn't mean we don't like you. No, we love what you're doing. So keep at it, you know. And, you know, we're fallible too. Our charts and statistics may not be perfect, but it's just, you know, we're just doing our job at just being another point in the scientific process. Very cool. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate it. And this is this is a great, great forum, as I've said before. Um, I'm going to try and come more often if I can. Absolutely love it. Anytime. Anytime you're welcome. All right, cool. Thank you. On that note, everybody, thank you all for coming. Now go on, get out of here, be productive, and keep advancing cannabis science. Mm -hmm.